It's hard to imagine what the mindset of those shepherds must have been like that night. I mean, night after night, week after week, year after year, they watch sheep. And then on this one night, angels from the realm of glory appear. And they're, they're telling them things that sound crazy. The whole time they're hearing this, they have to be thinking, why are you telling us? Aren't there more important people at the temple? Aren't there more important people in government and in the marketplace that need to know, you know, people of power? These guys were the outsiders. Because of their way of work, they, were, they weren't able to go to the temple. They were, they were not clean. They, 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 they didn't have the capacity to, to participate in, in the religious life of the culture. And so they're far from God, and yet God comes to them and says, yes, you who are on the outside, you who don't feel that you belong, you, you who have no, no right to, to say that you deserve this, those are the ones God says, come to me. Come and worship me. The good thing about going to shepherds was these guys were smart. They had to watch for details. They had to be very aware of their surroundings all the time. And they had no reason to lie about what they had seen. I mean, this was so miraculous. It was so amazing. These guys were so practical and pragmatic. When they, when they brought this report, it had to... It had to seem real to the leaders and to the people who would finally get the good news. But that night they had to make a decision. See, they were busy. They had responsibilities. Who's going to watch the sheep? Who's going to take care of all the stuff? You and I, we're in a similar situation as those guys. See, we, we've got all this stuff going on around us. Who's going to make the food? Who's going to get the gifts? Who's going to decorate the stuff? Who's going to go to work? Who's going to provide for the kids? Who's going to do this? We've got all this stuff going on. And if, if we're not careful, we've got this Savior. We've got this King of glory that we are being called to go and adore, to come and adore him. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. See, the, the world is screaming out saying, come, come and, and, and be busy with the things of life. And God is saying, no, come and worship the author of life. See, during this season, what we want to do here as a family of faith is that we want to understand that Christmas is better together. And today in particular, we want to talk about the fact that we've got to bring one another to Jesus. Those shepherds, there had to have been some that were like, man, I don't know, I don't think we should go. And others who were saying, no, 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 come on, we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go and worship this king of glory. Our culture is saying to us, don't get wrapped up in the religious stuff. And what the, what the culture is offering is a limited hope. Hey, they're saying, hey, buy this. Watch this movie. Have a, have a laugh. Feel good for a moment. Be nice to everyone. But it is a limited hope that's going to leave you probably with a pretty big credit card bill in, in January. And, and, and then, you know, maybe a few pictures. But then 
The culture has to move on, but see what, what, what God offers. It's not a limited hope, it's a living hope. It's a hope that will drive you through all of eternity. It will sustain your soul through every trial and, and challenge you will ever face. It will bring meaning. It, it will even give you a, a sense of strength in, in your most difficult day. That's what Christ can do. And so let's think about these shepherds. Let's give consideration to the decisions that they were having to make. And let's think through why it is we are to bring one another to adore Christ the Lord. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, would you take it out right now and would you go to Luke chapter 2? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Sadie is going to come and provide our scripture reading. And so let's all stand together as she makes her way to the stage. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 15. I'll be in the ESV. She's going to read out of the NIV, which is just fine. All God's translations are good so long as they are true to the, to the word, and the NIV is. And so, Sadie, if you would go ahead and read verse 15 for us. The angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that happened which the Lord has told us about. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Sadie. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Let's talk about this. Let's think about what they were going through and, and what we go through. They, they, they had to talk each other into it a little bit. There, there had to be someone in their midst who said, all right, let's go do this. Because there were, there were naysayers, obviously, because they're having the conversation. Obviously, there were those who were saying, we are too busy to get caught up in all this religious stuff. We are not religious people. We don't have that kind of lifestyle. We do not have the right to be involved with this. As a matter of fact, some of them were probably like, guys, I don't even care about this. Okay, the angels, yes, it was cool. Who's to say it's not, it wasn't an, a, a, a UFO? You know, let's, let's, let's just move on and let's just get on with the rest of life. But there were those who said, no, come, let us adore him. Come, let's go, let's participate, let's go be a part of what God is doing. And so you may be the one this morning who's saying, I don't really want to be here. You've probably got friends and family saying, I don't want to go there tonight. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be all kinds of people. Say to them, come, come, let's adore him. Let's go get some food. Let's go have some fellowship. Let's go be with that family of faith that believes in this Christ the Lord. And throughout this entire Christmas season, all the way into our Christmas Eve services, listen, some of you are gonna have to be the ones who say, come, come on, you're gonna have to bring, we're gonna have to bring one another to Christ. Why do we do it? What would motivate us to exert and to use our leverage and our name, and our time, and, and, and all that God has given to us to call others to come and worship Christ the Lord. Well, there's a few things I want you to keep in mind. Take note of these. The first one is this. Understand, we bring one another to see Jesus because in him an ageless promise is kept. God's plan before the creation of the world, before there was time and space, was to come himself and to save a people. You know, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of movies, Christmas movies. There's you know you, you, the, the Hallmark station. Now they have to have two of them 
just, there just needs to be more cheese in the world, I guess. I, I don't know. But it's interesting, though. You know, you take all the themes and everything that goes on, but the whole movie kind of all wraps up, and the reason why people watch it and cry at it is because it ends with, and they lived happily ever after. Why do those stories move us? Why do we choose to be uh, entertained by those kinds of, of, of TV shows, movies, whatever? It speaks to the natural and, and, the, and, the, and the very supernatural sense of what God has put into us. We know this world is not as it should be. But we have a longing and a desire to be a part of a story that ends happily ever after. See, the, all these stories, they point to the story, the one true story, the ultimate story that is the Bible, that explains how everything is meant to be in harmony, but because of sin, because of hurt, because of pain, because, because we chose to turn against God, there's all the suffering that exists in the world. All that has happened in our world comes because of our sin. We broke our relationship with God, which broke, broke our own hearts, which keeps us from being able to have perfect, harmonious relationships with one another. And that's where all the pain of the world comes from. But Christ has come, the hero has, has entered into time and space. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas is the fact that God became one of us to rescue us. And here's what we know, one day we are going to live happily ever after. There will be a restoration. And one of the things that we have confidence about is knowing that Christ is a savior simply because of all the prophecies, because of the word of God that has spoken to the reality of Christ the Lord. The very day of the fall, God made it clear to Adam and Eve that there would be a savior who would come. Genesis chapter three, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He's speaking to Satan here. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There is a man who will come who will crush the head of Satan, but it will come at a great cost to himself. He is Christ the Lord. On the very day of the fall, God said, from the line of Eve, there will come a man who can defeat sin and death. He is Christ the Lord. Years later, he spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he gave him this promise, I will bless those who bless you. And, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This promise came true in Christ our Lord. From the line of Abraham, there came one who was of the line of Judah as promised who would be the savior of the world and all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. Deuteronomy 18, 18, remaining in the Pentateuch. We understand, God said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. He is Christ the Lord. He is the ultimate prophet, priest and king. This prophet came proclaiming the reality of the grace of God revealing the very nature of God himself. In the past, he spoke through the prophets, but in our time now, he has come, and, and God incarnate has now revealed who God is through Jesus Christ. He went on to tell David the plan. 
2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in, in verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up uh, your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. There's only one kingdom that will reign forever and ever and that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Nations have come and gone. Kings have come and gone. There is one kingdom that will never fail, that will never fade, that will never perish, and that is the kingdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ. This is the promise of God. He told that to Adam and Eve. He told that to Abraham. He told that through Moses. He told that to Moses. He told that to, to David. He also told it to Isaiah. Think about what he said to Isaiah the prophet. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Only Christ, only God in flesh could accomplish this. It is eternal. It is perfect. It is, it is complete. God spoke this to the, the prophet Isaiah. He spoke this to many other prophets, including Malachi, the last prophet. The last one to give utterance before 400 years of silence. And this prophet spoke of the coming of the Lord and what would precede his ministry. And so we read in Malachi chapter three, verse one, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. We know that John the Baptist was the one who came before Christ, that Christ then appeared at the temple. We know that this these prophecies, this prophecy, all these prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And what we see here is an ageless promise kept. Why do we take the time? Why do we invest the resources? Why do we, why do we seek out and to share this great home? Because there has been an ageless promise that has been kept. Amen? But there's more. Write it down. We bring one another to see Jesus because in him a boundless grace is offered. A boundless grace. It is a grace that is given to whosoever will believe. It is a grace that is given to, to all. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you come from or the color of your skin. It doesn't matter. It's to whomever, whosoever will believe. We read in Revelation this glorious, glorious hope. Revelation chapter five, verses nine and 10. In heaven, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. From every tribe and tongue, from every nation, God is drawing to himself people who will be saved. You say, well, I'm an outsider. So were the shepherds. You say, I, I'm not religious. Neither were they. You say, I have no power. They had none. You say, I am too busy. They were busy too. You say, I am broken. We all are. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have something that we're hiding. 
we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are things that we don't want anyone to know about us, every one of us. And God loved us still. While we were in our sins, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. While you were creating brokenness, while you were cre- uh, committing treason against the high king of heaven, he loved you. He loves you now. You say, but you don't know my situation. Here's what I know about every situation in the world of every person on the planet is that God's design is, is that everything be perfect, but there's brokenness. There's brokenness in your life, in your relationships, in your heart, and that's all because of sin. It's because someone has sinned against against you because you've sinned against someone else. But now the, the gospel tells us Christ has come. God has come for the nobodies, for the outsiders, for the broken, for the for those who hurt and those who are hurt. And if we will repent of self-determination, if we will stop trying to do life on our own, if we will say, God, I don't, I don't wanna be responsible for my sin and, and I don't wanna live my life on my terms, I want you to forgive me of my sin, I believe that Christ died for me so I can be freed from that, I believe that Christ is alive because he's been raised and I want you to lead my life, I give it to you, you will be saved. And you'll be able to recover and pursue God's design. Understand that there there is an ageless promise that has been kept. There there is a boundless grace that is offered. Write it down. We bring one another to see Jesus because in him an endless wonder is seen. It's an endless wonder. it's, It's a miracle. I can't explain it. I've been through all these courses. I've got all these degrees and I still can't explain it. How is Jesus 100% God and 100% man? How can you explain the incarnation? How did it work with, with the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary? Words fail, but the truth stands. John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God became flesh. He has come to save. It is an endless wonder. It is so hard to explain. Here's how we explain it in our articles of faith. When you, when you think about the doctrine of Christ, here's how we speak of it in our statement of faith that you can find online. It says, God the Son, uh, concerning God the Son, we believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only eternal Son of God, who while fully divine became a man that he might reveal God and redeem mankind, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless life and died a substitutionary death in order to serve as the one and only mediator between God and man. God took on flesh. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself to serve. Was he almighty God? Yes. Was he really flesh? Yes. So the flesh, it limited the divinity. You say, well, why did he have to pray? Because he had to exist as a man. You say, why did he have to depend on the spirit the way we do? Because he lived as a man. God 
as man. He was clothed in flesh. He was clothed in, in, in body. You know, I, I, I get a little bit of a sense now of what it must have been like, a little bit of a sense of what it must have been like. Now, being 45 years old, there are times when I, I wanna get out and, and I wanna play with the boys and, and I wanna throw and I wanna run and I wanna make moves and my mind knows how to do all of these things. My body will not participate. I, I, I kind of get that old country song now. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. And if I'm ever as good once as I ever was, I will need to ice my shoulder and possibly, possibly go to the emergency room. <laughs> because the body is limited. There is a capacity of mind. There's a knowledge of, of the sport. I, I, I can read defenses. I know exactly, typically where the ball is. I know what's going on. It's just, I don't want anybody to hit me anymore. And, and, and I just can't throw it a hundred times. I can throw it once. If I'm really warmed up, and I can get Motrin later. So here's Christ, God Almighty, in flesh. It's a miracle. It's a, it's a mystery. It's a wonder. And he's revealed himself to us. And that's why we bring one another to him. Because God has come as promised, born of a virgin, holy and righteous, to establish a kingdom of, uh, of which we get to be a part as a nation of prophets and priests who serve the king. Another reason. We bring one another to see Jesus because in him a, a timeless mystery is revealed. Do you realize how blessed you are Do you know how many angels and prophets and, and godly people longed to know what you, many of you know, having read the New Testament and heard the gospel preached? Do you realize how hungry the, the children of Israel were to be saved? How the priest longed to stop having to go and present these sacrifices over and over again. How the poor were so sick of the rich and the powerful being able to, to determine what it is they knew and could not know of God. And now we have this Savior who has come and now by the power of the Holy Spirit, his word is alive in us who believe. Friends, we hold this mystery Colossians chapter one, beginning in verse 26, says this. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why must we bring one another to worship Christ the King? because this mystery has been revealed to us. Not only do we have a blessing, but with that blessing, there is a responsibility. And like the shepherds, we, had, we have to bring one another to worship Jesus. 
But what we'll talk about in the days ahead is the fact that we are also to bring others. And what I want you to consider this morning and ask yourself is this. Have I received Christ? Now, I talk about this every Sunday and any pastor that you hear preach at Living Hope, we talk about this every Sunday. But I wanna take just a minute this morning and I wanna press a little bit. I know many of you understand the truth. I wanna remind you that the devil does too. And it has not changed him. So many talk of being Christians. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is not like the rest of the religions of the world. It's not an institution. Christianity is a way of life made possible by the King of glory alive in you. Is Christ alive in you? Has your sin debt been fully paid? Has his life entered into your life and now you find yourself in Christ and Christ in you? If not, you are not saved. Salvation is a free gift that you must receive. And if you have not received it, I can't think of a better day than this day right now. Now, who do you know that does not have Christ alive in them? Would you today, would you pray for their salvation? Would you ask God to do a miracle? That's what I'm saying. Who do you know? And I don't, we don't know. We don't know. But you have to wonder. I wonder if any of the shepherds didn't go. If there are any of them that said, I'm not going. And they didn't see it. They don't know it. And they didn't experience it. Maybe you know of some folks who have heard the gospel, but they're not walking with the Lord. And, and they need your prayer and they need your love and they need you to invite them and say, come, come back, come home, come to the Father's house. You were loved here, you're welcomed. Friends, as we enter into this Christmas season, that's our job. We are the children of the Most High King of Heaven who has commanded us to receive his grace, to live in it, to encourage one another, to worship Christ the Lord, and to help others who are far from God to come and hear the good news that they might believe. And so today as we finish, we wanna sing of that glorious gift and responsibility and I want to encourage you to, some of you to come and be saved. Just get on your knees before God and ask him to save you. Repent of your sin. Ask him to take over your life. Some of you to come and pray for those who are far from God. Some of you to pray that maybe you're caught up in all the stuff 
but not the Savior. And ask him to give you a missional passion during this Christmas season. Let's stand together as we pray.